Hello, welcome to Daily Prayer today for August 25th, 2021. Glad that you are with me. Let's go ahead and get started. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall proclaim your praise. The Lord be with you, and also with you. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. Reconciling God, we give you thanks that through the gift of our baptism, you have broken down dividing walls and made us members of your house. By the power of your Holy Spirit, build us up to be your holy temple, a place of peace and welcome for all through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Our readings for today are Psalm 65 and 147 verses 1 through 11, 1 Kings 3, 1 through 15, Acts 27, 9 through 26, Mark 14, 1 through 11. Listen for God's word to speak to you. Psalm 65. Praise is due to you, O God, in Zion, and to you shall vows be performed. O you who answer prayer, to you all flesh shall come. When deeds of iniquity overwhelm us, you forgive our transgressions. Happy are those whom you choose and bring near to live in your courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, your holy temple. By awesome deeds, you answer us with deliverance, O God of our salvation. You are the hope of all the ends of the earth and of the farthest seas. By your strength, you establish the mountains. You are girded with might. You silence the roaring of the seas, the roaring of their waves, the tumult of the peoples. Those who live at earth's farthest bounds are awed by your signs. You make the gateways of the of the morning and the evening shout for joy. You visit the earth and water it. You greatly enrich it. The river of God is full of water. You provide the people with grain, for so you have prepared it. Your water its furrows abundantly, settling its ridges, softening it with showers, and blessing its growth. You crown the year with your bounty. Your wagon tracks overflow with richness. The pastures of the wilderness overflow, the hills gird themselves with joy, the meadows clothe themselves with flocks, the valleys deck themselves with grain, they shout and sing together for joy. Psalm 147, 1-11 Praise the Lord! How good it is to sing praises to our God, for God is gracious and a song of praise is fitting. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. God gathers the outcast of Israel. God heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. God determines the number of the stars. God gives to all of them their names. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. God's understanding is beyond measure. The Lord lifts up the downtrodden. God casts the wicked to the ground. Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Make melody to our God on the lyre. God covers the heavens with clouds prepares rain for the earth, makes grass grow on the hills. God gives to the animals their food and to the young ravens when they cry. God's delight is not in the strength of the horse, nor God's pleasure in the speed of a runner, but the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear God, in those who hope in God's steadfast love. 1 Kings 3, 1-15 Solomon made a marriage alliance with Pharaoh, king of Egypt. He took Pharaoh's daughter and brought her into the city of David 
until he had finished building his own house and the house of the Lord and the wall around Jerusalem. The people were sacrificing at the high places, however, because no house had yet been built for the name of the Lord. Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of his father David, only he sacrificed and offered incense at the high places. The king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the principal high place. Solomon used to offer a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I shall give you. And Solomon said, You have shown great and steadfast love to your servant, my father David, because he walked before you in faithfulness, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart toward you. And you have kept for him this great and steadfast love, and have given him a son to sit on his throne today. And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David. Although I am only a little child, I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of the people whom you have chosen, a great people, so numerous they cannot be numbered or counted. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, able to discern between good and evil, for who can govern this, your great people? It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. God said to him, Because you have asked this, and have not asked for yourself long life or riches, or for the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right, I now do according to your word. Indeed, I give you a wise and discerning mind. No one like you has been before you, and no one like you shall arise after you. I give you also what you have not asked, both riches and honor all your life. No other king shall compare with you. If you will walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments, as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your life. When Solomon awoke, it had been a dream. He came to Jerusalem, where he stood before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. He offered up burnt offerings and offerings of well-being and provided a feast. For all his servants. Acts 27, 9 through 26. Since much time had been lost, and sailing was now dangerous, because even the fast had already gone by, Paul advised them, saying, Sirs, I can see that the voyage will be with danger and much heavy loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also of our lives. But the centurion paid more attention to the pilot and to the owner of the ship than to what Paul said. Since the harbor was not suitable for spending the winter, the majority was in favor of putting to sea from there, on the chance that somehow they could reach Phoenix, where they could spend the winter. It was a harbor of Crete, facing southwest and northwest. When a moderate south wind began to blow, they thought they could achieve their purpose, so they weighed anchor and began to sail past Crete, close to the shore. But soon a violent wind called the Northeaster rushed down from Crete. Since the ship was caught and could not be turned head on into the wind, we gave way to it and were driven. By running under the lee of a small island called Cauda, we were scarcely able to get the ship's boat under control. After hoisting it up, they took measures to undergird the ship, then fearing that they would run on the Sirtis, they lowered the sea anchor and so were driven. 
We were being pounded by the storm so violently that on the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. And on the third day, with their own hands, they threw the ship's tackle overboard. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and no small tempest raged, all hope of our being saved was at last abandoned. Since they had been without food for a long time, Paul then stood up among them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and not have set sail from Crete and thereby avoided this damage and loss. I urge you now to keep up your courage, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For last night there stood by me an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I worship. And he said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before the emperor, and indeed God has granted safety to all those who are sailing with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have told you. But we will have to run aground on some island. From Mark 14, 1-11 It was two days before the Passover and the festival of unleavened bread. The chief priests and the scribes were looking for a way to arrest Jesus by stealth and kill him. For they said, Not during the festival, or there may be a riot among the people. While he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at the table, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very costly ointment of nard. And she broke open the jar and poured the ointment on his head. But some were there who said to one another in anger, Why has the ointment wasted in this way? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 3,000 denarii and the money given to the poor. And they scolded her. But Jesus said, Let her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has performed a good service for me. For you always have the poor with you, and you can show kindness to them whenever you wish, but you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for its burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever the good news is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in remembrance of her. Then Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve, went to the chief priests in order to betray him to them. When they heard it, they were greatly pleased and promised to give him money. So he began to look for an opportunity to betray him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, we continue on with Solomon. So Solomon has now been crowned king of Jerusalem, and you may have heard this before, right? He's, he's kind of the wisest king, and the reason for this is this story. He, the worship life of Jerusalem is kind of in turmoil because people are going up to the high places. Now that's kind of a code word, that's a phrase that we don't hear that often, but what it actually means is that they are worshiping the local gods. They are worshiping the Canaanite gods those worship sites would be called the high places. They would be usually up on a mountain or something like that. There'd be some sort of altar. And we are told because there's not a specific house for God, um, because there's not even sort of a place where the tabernacle is set up, just the Ark of the Covenant is there. And maybe the tabernacle, we're not quite sure. Um, there's no place really to worship the living God at. And so people are going up to these high places to do their worship. Um, to make sacrifices, to do all those things. Well, Solomon is among them, and Solomon goes to up to the high place at Gilgal, and this will uh, continues to be this uh, very important 
place for worship and specifically idolatry. It was a high place for one of the Canaanite gods. It eventually becomes sort of a worship place for, for the living God, but we'll see that. Anyways, Solomon goes and makes a sacrifice of a thousand bulls um, in order to, uh, to, to, it's this huge sort of hyperbolic over-the-top gift, sacrifice, offering. But the crazy thing is that even though he makes the sacrifice here at Gilgal to one of the Canaanite gods with one of the Baals, the Lord speaks to him in a dream and says, what do you want? I'll give you anything you ask. He says, you have been good to my father David, and so I want you to give me wisdom because I don't know how to lead all of these people. And God says, well, since you asked for wisdom and understanding instead of riches or long life, I'm going to give you wisdom, and I'm also going to give you riches and long life. Um, I will bless you and your life, caveat, as long as you follow my ways. So, once again, there's, there is that possibility. There is all the potential we have in Solomon. Solomon is a, a man who is sort of in the image of David. All of that good and, and maybe some of that bad as well. And he has the potential here to stick with God and have long life and, and a great and um, wonderful kingship. And we'll see exactly what happens with that. It's kind of a mixed bag. Then we have for from Acts, Paul is continuing to make his way up to, um, to Rome, and they are continuing to run into bad weather. Uh, it's getting to be winter. It's getting to be the stormy season. They are at a particular place, which is not a great place to winter, um, which probably means there's not as much, you know, stuff to do. There's not, you know, it's not a big booming sort of port town. And Paul says to the centurion who's over him, hey, this is not going to be a good thing. If we keep going, we're going to lose cargo, we're going to lose the boat, and we're going to lose life. So we shouldn't set sail. Well, the centurion goes and tells the pilot of the boat, and the pilot is like, no, no, no we'll be fine. Everything will be fine. And so the centurion listens to the pilot instead of Paul, the prisoner, which frankly is not an unreasonable thing um, to listen to the person who sails uh, rather than the person who preaches, right? Um, but they run into some really bad weather. And in fact, it gets so bad that they are uh, cannot see the stars or the sun for 12 days, something like that, 10 days. Um, it's bad. It's really bad. They throw all the cargo over. They throw all the tackle over. And still they're just sort of driven by this storm. Well, after these several days, Paul gets up and says, basically, I told you so, which maybe, I don't know if that's his pride or maybe he's reminding them, hey, I saw this coming before. But hey, I saw all this coming before. I said we probably shouldn't get going when we did. But we did anyways, but God is still going to protect us. The, an angel of the Lord that I serve, the God that I serve, came to me and said, you are going to be safe, you're going to make it to Rome, and I'm going to keep safe all of the people with you, but you're going to crash. So go ahead, eat up what we've got, because we're not going to be on the boat that much longer, 
you know, so sort of take heart, trust me, because I know what I'm talking about. Um, a really interesting thing, sort of his um, his witness to these sailors, it very much brings to mind, for me at least, Job, um, a very similar sort of uh, sort of thing in some ways, just the, the sailors and the good luck, bad luck, all that kind of stuff. Then we have Jesus um, is preparing for the Passover, and there is a woman who breaks this alabaster jar. Um, this is full of nard, which, as far as we can tell, was kind of the it was the perfume for prostitutes. This is probably what she used to be, but she's it's what she has, and so she wants to gift Jesus with it. She anoints his head with it. Um, and there is great consternation because of it. In this particular telling, in Mark's telling, it is because it is a very costly ointment. It is something that uh, you could go sell all of that and have loads of money. You could give that money to the poor, right? Um, so that's kind of the, the grumbling that the people around Jesus have. And Jesus calls them short. He says, no, 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 no. It's not. It's not about that. She has done something precious for me. She has done something um, important. Listen, you're, you're always going to have the poor with you. You'll have many, many, many opportunities to, to serve people who, are, um, who don't have a lot. But you won't have a whole lot of opportunities to serve me. So she is doing that. She is doing what she can, when she can. I think this speaks to me about the importance of our relationships, um, of the interactions that we have with one another here and now. Um, those are important. There are big things, absolutely. And we need to take care of those big things. We do have poor that we need to serve. Um, but the difference between sort of the uh, nebulous, like just helping the poor and helping this person right in front of us, maybe who is someone who's poor, or serving someone, spending time with our loved ones, that is important. Um, sometimes we can get caught up in, in big ideals and big... Uh, big dreams and lose sight of the thing that is right in front of us. So that's one thing. The other thing is we can easily get very caught up in the economics of caring. That, you know, I don't I don't want to just give cash to that person on the side of the road because maybe they won't use that money in the way that um that I would think is acceptable. There's a certain amount of this, uh, it's, it's a similar sort of critique that these people around Jesus are saying, you know, this resource could have been used in a much more efficient way to, to help far more many people. And Jesus is saying, no, but sometimes it's not just being the most efficient. Sometimes it's not using the most economically feasible way to do something when there's an opportunity that strikes. Maybe we just take it, right? 
So some things to think about today as we join together in prayer. Satisfy us with your love in the morning, and we will live this day in joy and praise. Great and wonderful God, we praise and thank you for the gift of renewal in Jesus Christ. Especially we thank you for ministries of music and the arts. Those who enlighten and entertain. The love of family and friends. Time for rest and recreation. Promises kept and hope for tomorrow. People of God, for what else do we give thanks? We give thanks for the joy of this day, the ability to gather together and have relationships for the people who are right in front of our faces. You make all things new, O God, and we offer our prayers for the renewal of the world and the healing of its wounds. Especially we pray for the church in North America. Rest and renewal for creation. Those who are enslaved by addictions. All who long to live in your holy realm. People of God, for what else do we pray? We pray for the people of Afghanistan and Haiti. We have an online prayer request from Didi for their friend Khadija. We pray for the family and friends of Joe's daughter-in-law who passed away suddenly. We pray for Donald and Deborah, friends of Bill's. Deborah is in the middle stages of Alzheimer's. We pray for Joan and Keith, former co-workers of Bill's. Joan has many health problems, and Keith is her primary caregiver. We pray for Louisa, Linda's granddaughter, who had gotten RSV and is now feeling better. We pray for Kathy, friend of Jan Ann's, who's back at the hospital with kidney failure. For Deborah, who's continuing to heal from hip replacement surgery, a broken rib, and hand pain. And for Joy, a former play school teacher who's beginning chemo for colon cancer. We pray for the teachers, the subs, the administrators for our play school that are finishing up their training today and for a wonderful, wonderful school year. Blessed are you, O God, our Creator. At the work of your hands we sing for joy. Keep us in your grace and peace this day, and teach us to glorify and enjoy you forever. Through Christ our Lord and Savior. Amen. Now let us continue to pray using the words that Christ taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen.
Now to God be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Bless the Lord. The Lord's name be praised. Thank you so much for joining me today for daily prayer. Join me tomorrow for some more. Like this video, share it with someone else, click on the subscription and the notification button, as well as go into our website, johncalvinchurch.org. Our liturgy today came from the Book of Common Worship of the Presbyterian Church USA 2018 edition, and our readings came from the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a blessed day. We'll see you next time. Bye.